Thank you for joining us for another power-packed message from Dr. Miles Monroe, provided by Monroe Global Incorporated and MonroeGlobal.com. We transform followers into leaders and leaders into agents of change. We hope that this message is a blessing to you as you advance your life and discover your purpose. Now, let's go into the message. Tonight, I want to speak to you on a simple subject. Please turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 4. If you are religious, please hang on to your religion for the next few minutes. Because the chances are you might lose some of it. My job here tonight is not to talk about anything else but Jesus Christ and his message. Amen. I want to speak tonight on rediscovering the kingdom. Say that with me. Rediscovering the oh, you're a good class. What am I going to speak on? Okay, rediscovering the kingdom. The first word is important. Rediscovery. Whenever you are about to rediscover something, it means that it was lost. And what we are going to approach tonight is something that was lost. It was lost for over 1,800 years. It's something that the church lost. You lost. Your pastor lost. Your denomination lost. Your doctrine lost. I was born into a family of very religious people. My father is a Baptist minister. My mother, my late mother, was a missionary. So 11 children from one mother and father, we landed in the pew when we were born. All we knew was the Bible. We were taken to church whether we wanted to go or not. And by the time I was 13, I was confused because I began to have contradictions in my mind. I began to question whether there was a God at 13. Because I was confused when I heard my father and mother say God is good, but I was sleeping on the floor with roaches. I was confused when they told me that God was rich and he would make me wealthy, but yet we were poor and had to eat sardines. I became confused. The logic wasn't working. I never once, all during my development as a young man, never heard anyone in any church I attended, Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, Assemblies of God, Anglican, never did they mention the kingdom. I knew nothing about it. So I come here with a very strange attitude toward religion. The message of the kingdom was lost because it was buried in the graveyard of religion. 
And what we have to do in this generation, I believe your being here tonight is very important because God wants to reintroduce to you his original purpose. He wants to show you what he intended for you from the beginning. And that is, I call it, the dominion mandate. God created you for a reason. He didn't create you just to pay bills and die. You were not born just to make a living. You were born to make a difference on this planet. What a lousy life to wake up all your life going to a job stuck in traffic to pay off a mortgage and never enjoy the house. That's a lousy life. So I am convinced that this meeting is a strategic convergence of people who are favored because he created you for this great purpose and I believe that you are the generation all of us who are going to rediscover the things that were lost first of all we can rediscover the original idea of God this generation will rediscover the purpose for why God made mankind I believe you and in this generation will discover the purpose for the real church why the church actually exists and I want to quickly note the church does not exist to get you to heaven and now it's quiet we're going to rediscover the original design for the church we also are the, we are the generation who will finally rediscover the original message of Jesus we're going to find out what the church was supposed to be preaching and what the mission of the church is supposed to be and what the goal of the church is supposed to be and the goal of the church was not to get you to heaven I'm going to prove that tonight we also will be the generation who will discover the ultimate goal of God for all men on this planet 6.7 billion of them we got a lot of work to do and most importantly we're going to rediscover in this generation the kingdom of God that's good news for me now my job is to show you God's original idea what was on God's mind I want to begin by talking about the power of ideas I am convinced that there's nothing more powerful on earth than an idea why because ideas are the source of everything the chair you're sitting on was first an idea the shoe on your feet was first an idea the clothing on your back was first an idea everything on earth was first an idea even this meeting was first an idea that's how powerful ideas are ideas also control the world how do I know this dead men rule Canada how can dead men rule the world because they left their ideas on the planet 
Do you know that people like the Greek scholars Aristotle and Socrates and Plato, uh, they were the ones who introduced the idea of uh, democrata. Democrata is a Greek word. It's where we get our word democracy from. They invented democracy. They died, but they still rule Canada. In other words, ideas are so powerful, they outlive men and they control the world even after men are dead. Ideas are so powerful that they create everything and God himself begins everything with an idea because ideas are the source of motivation. When God acted, he thought first. You never begin things by acting first. Action is a product of thought. Your brain is engaged before your hands take action. Thinking is more important than doing because doing is a product of thinking. And the only way to know why a person did something is to know what they were thinking. If you don't know a person's mind, you will misinterpret their hands. So my question is, what was in God's mind when he created the universe, this solar system, chose the third planet from the sun, made it livable, gave it all the gases and oxygen and beauty of the balance of nature in it, and then put you on it? What was in his mind? In other words, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are God's handiworks. They don't explain his mind. Humans love God's hands, but they never try to get into his head. That's why God loved David. David didn't want to know the works of God's hands. That's why God loved Moses. He didn't want to know God's handiworks. They were men who wanted to know what was in God's mind. This is why they were so unique. David Ask God to show him a word you probably don't see much. He said, teach me your precepts. Write the word down. Precepts. Everybody say precepts. precepts. Look at the word. Precept. Precept is really not a word. It's a, it's a grammatical construct. Pre is a prefix. And sept is a word. A prefix is added to a word to change the meaning of it. Pre means what? Before. Guess what sept means? Thought. Sept means idea. David says, teach me your precepts. I want to know the thought behind the thought that you thought when you thought about it, God. I want to know the original idea that was in your mind. When you learn a precept, it becomes a concept. A concept is an idea that's conceived and therefore when David prayed in Psalm 111 verse 10 he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all who follow his precepts have good understanding he was saying look if you learn God's precept you'll understand everything do you know why we are so ignorant we only know concepts because our precepts are wrong in other words, David says, if you know God's precepts, the original ideas, you'll understand everything. This is why I had a hunger for the mind of God as a child. 
When I was 15 years old, I read the whole Bible. I said, I got to know this book. And I didn't understand 90% of it. It's a confusing book. But I kept reading it. At age 16, I read the whole book again in one year. Didn't understand it. But I learned a little bit more. At age 17, I read the book again. The whole book of the Bible. And every year, I read the Bible. Every year. Even to this very day, I keep reading the Bible. Every year. I read it 39 times. And all I look for is precepts. Show me your ideas. David says, you understand the ideas of God, you will have what? Good understanding. Do you know what you really want in life? You want to understand everything. Am I right? You don't want to have misunderstanding. Look at Psalm 119 verse 4. David says, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. God says, I will show you my ideas, David. David says, if I obey them fully, I'd be obeying God. You don't want to just learn God's written word. You want to learn the idea behind the word. This is why the Bible can either destroy you or save you. It can help you or confuse you. Because the letter can kill. But when you learn the spirit of the law, the ideas behind it, it can give you life. And this is why David was so loved by God. David says, teach me your precepts. God says, you are a man after my own heart. The word heart there is the Hebrew word which means mind. David, you want to know what's in my mind. I love you for that. Everybody wants miracles. You want my ideas. The problem with the religious people is they love miracles. That's why they're broke. One time, some religious folks came to Christ and they said, show us miracles, show us miracles. He said, miracles? He says, only a wicked, an adulterous generation want to see miracles. Don't look now, there's one right behind you. Don't look, there's one right behind you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the one behind you. They love miracles. He said, only wicked people love miracles, he says. They come to be entertained. Ladies and gentlemen, God's ideas are deep. Proverbs 19, one of my favorite verses says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Write that down, please. Many are the plans where? In a man's heart. Where's your heart? In your head. He said, you got all these things in your ideas about what you think God should be, what God wants. And believe me, friends, the church is filled with their own ideas. And you yourself got your own ideas about who God is and what he does and why he made you. And God says, many are the plans in your head. He said, but I have a purpose already. And it will prevail. The word purpose means original idea. Original intention. In other words... God says, my purpose, my original reason for creating you is going to prevail over everything that you come up with. Don't invent doctrines. Just seek God's ideas. And you get the original. In other words, it's more important for you to pursue God's ideas than to create your own. Ladies and gentlemen, 
What was God's original purpose or idea for mankind? That really is the question tonight. What was in his mind when he did everything, creating you? What was God's concept? Let me give you a quick review, very fast. The key to communication is concepts. Uh, what I mean by that is concepts are ideas that are conceived. So a precept conceived is a concept. A concept is an idea or a definition of an idea. It sounds complicated, but stay with me. So when you and I are talking to each other, in order for you to understand me, David says, you and I must have the same precepts. If we have different precepts, there'll be misunderstanding. Everybody still with me? Yes. Now, what's a precept? It's a concept once it's conceived, which means it's an idea or a definition. So, when I say the word chair, chair, there's a picture that comes to your mind of a chair. It may not be the same chair I'm thinking about. But at least you got a word in your mind of a picture of a chair. Now, you say a chair, you may mean a four-legged chair that you're sitting in. I could be talking about a sofa. But we use the word chair, and we got pictures. In other words, when you are talking to someone, listen carefully, the only way for you to understand each other is both of us have to have the same concepts. In the 1960s, I remember uh, when you asked someone for some bread, you actually meant money. Anyone remember that? Some of y'all little older folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you say, give me some bread, you don't give them a roll, you know, from a bakery. They wanted money. See, the concepts had changed. Why is this so important? Because whenever you're communicating with someone, the first thing you must settle is we must all have the same concepts so that we can understand the same words. Now, why is this important? Write this down. The key to understanding is concepts. Why? Because the source of misunderstanding is misconception. That means you missed my concept. Hmm. Case in point. God said words like kingdom. Kingdom. The average person in this room below the age of 30 have no idea what that means. And yet, the entire Bible is filled with that word. So what is your concept of kingdom? Is it Lion King? <laughs> Where'd you get your idea of kingdom from? A fairy tale book? So when God speaks a word, I wonder if you have the same picture that he has. That's the question. Matter of fact, the primary concept of the Bible and of Jesus is what we are struggling with. What was his concept? I want to show you something. The Bible is about three things. Write them down. Number one, it's about a king. The Bible is about a king. Why is that important? Because it's not about a prime minister. It's not about a president. It's not about a dictator. It's not about some governor or some congressman or some senate. 
senator. Christ was not a senator. He was not a prime minister, nor was he a president. Why is that important? Because when he used the word, I'm king of kings, you got to understand the definition. You don't vote kings into power. Kings means he doesn't care about your opinion. Kings mean you don't make him ruler. He was born one. King means that his words become law when he speaks them. Your opinion means nothing. King means there's no vote in his country. Amen. You don't vote for Jesus. Amen. Powerful stuff. Amen. That means you don't, you don't negotiate with Jesus. He's king. Amen. If he says fornication is sin, you don't discuss that. Amen. I'm getting in trouble already. Amen. <laughs> yeah. We want Jesus to be president and prime minister in our minds so we could negotiate. See, you cooperate with presidents, but you obey kings. Two different concepts. That's why we want to make him president. President Jesus. Secondly, the Bible is about a kingdom. Why is this important? The concept is different. It's not about a republic. It's not about a parliamentary democracy. It's about a kingdom. A kingdom is opposite to a democracy. For example, in democracy, the power is in the people. In a kingdom, the power is in one person. The king. Two different ideas. <laughs> a kingdom is not a religion. A kingdom is a country. Amen. The Bible is about a country, yeah. not about a religion. We've made this thing a religion. God knows nothing about what you're talking about when you say Christianity. He don't know what you're talking about. Take a deep breath. You're going to need it for the next 20 minutes, I'm telling you. The Bible is about a kingdom. David says, open up your gates and let the king of glory come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. He is the king of glory. So open the gates and let the king of glory come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. He is the king, not the prime minister. Do you know why Christ was crucified? Do you know what the, the court case was really about? It had nothing to do with him being religious. He was never religious. The court case was about he claimed to be a king. <laughs> and there can only be one king in a kingdom. And they was in Rome. And the king of Rome was Caesar. And Pilate was the governor. And they said, he said he's a king. And Pilate says, are you a king? Christ says, you are right about saying that. For that purpose was I born. I'm a king. I'm a king. I have my own kingdom. And Pilate became very nervous. Why is this important? If he's a king, then you don't discuss things with him. If he says lying is sin, that means rebellion against his kingdom, you stop lying. If he said thou shalt not commit adultery, that means you stay with your spouse and be faithful. Amen. If you are a kingdom citizen. Yes. Now if you're a Christian, you can sleep around, but if you're a kingdom citizen, that's a different story altogether. In religion, you can negotiate. Seventy bishops can actually vote God out of power 
and appoint a gay bishop. No problem. I ain't got a problem with that. That's Christianity. But that ain't kingdom. That, none of, that ain't, the guy ain't loving the kingdom. You don't negotiate with a king. You obey a king. And the third thing the Bible is about is about a royal family. You're sitting next to one right now. The Bible is about a royal family who was given a responsibility by their father to run a planet for them. He wanted them to rule a planet for him. Simple program. He wanted them to colonize earth for heaven. Simple idea. God's idea was kingdom expansion. Let me say this very important. Only kingdoms expand. Democracies don't expand. Republics don't expand. Only kingdoms expand. Do you know why? Because kingdoms get their glory from territory. Write that down. It's important. This is why God created the universe. He was king of the invisible world. He ruled everything. And he wanted more territory. So he made the visible world. 600 million galaxies. Trillions of planets and stars. And he made it because he wanted to rule the seen and the unseen. He's a king. Now if you study history and study kingdoms, you'll discover that all kingdoms do the same thing. They expand. Canada is a product of kingdom expansion. The Bahamas is a product of kingdom expansion. Jamaica is a product of kingdom expansion. Trinidad and Tobago, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, St. Thomas, Belize, Nicaragua, Dominica, Central America is a product of kingdom expansion. Chile, Portugal expanded to Brazil. France expanded to Haiti and to Guadeloupe and Martinique. Kingdoms expand. Why? Territory is their glory. God's plan, he's a king. He has a kingdom. Kingdoms expand. When the kingdom expands, it is called colonization. If you don't understand this idea, forget the Bible. The Bible is the first colonial document on earth. Let me quote the colonial statement. Let us make man in our own image and our likeness and let them have dominion over that territory called earth. That's kingdom expansion. God not create you to be in heaven. That's where you came from. He put you on earth to dominate earth to fill the earth with the culture of heaven. That's what kingdoms do. Colonization is the expansion of culture and government. Think about it. When a kingdom expands, its culture shows up in the territory. That's why in the Bahamas and Jamaica, we drink tea four times a day and drive on the left. (laughs) Why? Our kingdom drank tea four times a day and drove on the left. When a kingdom impacts a territory, the territory becomes just like the kingdom. We speak English because our kingdom spoke English. Matter of fact, when kingdoms expand, they take away your history. 
and they give you their history. That's why when you come back to God, he takes away your history. Oh, hallelujah. That's called forgiveness. And he gives you his history. Praise God. Amen. He said you can now call yourselves sons of God, not sons of earth. It's about a kingdom. Listen, this is why I believe Jesus Christ is the most misunderstood man on earth. Let me show you how misunderstood he is. Number one, he came to earth to restore God's ideas. We misunderstood his ideas. We thought he came to start a religion. So we see Jesus in the class of Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius and Baha'i, Baha'i'llah. In other words, you put him in this classification of these other religious leaders. Jesus Christ was not a religious leader. He never joined a religion. He was never a Pharisee, never a Sadducee, never an Herodian, never joined the Hebrew Council. He never submitted to, to, to Kehaiphas. He was never, matter of fact, his number one opposition on earth was religious people. His best friends were sinners. <laughs> he kept company with wine bibbers. That means alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Kept company with tax collectors. That means corrupt politicians. Mm -hmm. He hung out with, with prostitutes. Mm -hmm. They loved him because his message did not condemn them. How come they don't like you? <laughs> Think about it. He came to earth with God's idea. Now some, I want you to understand that ideas are in the mind. The only way you can transmit an idea is when you convert it to a word. A word is an exposed thought. A thought is a silent word. A thought is an idea. So I can never know your ideas until you speak. So words are idea containers. So you know what a person is thinking when they convert it to a word. Is that clear? Yeah. Amen. That's why words are important. Look at John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. That word, word, there is an important word. It's the word L-O-G-O-S. Write it down. That's the word that's used here. Logos. L-O-G-O-S. The word logos means expressed idea. Hmm. Logos. In the beginning was God's expressed idea. And God's idea was God. <laughs> and God's idea was in God. I like that. And God's idea was with God from the beginning. That means God had his ideas. I want to see how deep this gets, eh? Look at the next verse. Through his ideas, all things were made. Remember, everything begins as an idea. And without it was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light. The word light means knowledge. And that knowledge shines in the darkness, but the darkness, darkness is ignorance. It couldn't handle it. When Christ came to earth, 
Matter of fact, look at the next verse. Read it loud. The Word became flesh. Stop reading right there. Jesus Christ is God's ideas in a body. He is God manifested, expressed. That's why he's called the Word. God took what was in his mind and expressed it. And now we know God's ideas. It's walking on two legs. Whatever Jesus said and did is God's ideas expressed. You don't need to wonder what's in God's mind anymore. Just watch and listen to this creature called Jesus Christ. This, this God-man, he was the manifestation of God's ideas. So you don't need to wonder what God is thinking anymore. He expressed it in the word. And we beheld his glory. Write the word glory down. It's the word kabod. K-A-B-O-D in Hebrew. And it actually means nature. True nature. We saw his true nature. Nature means what is he naturally like. When you study this manifestation called Jesus, you are looking at the very nature what God is like. <laughs> he loved children. He forgave prostitutes. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He went to a wedding and saved the reputation of the family. What does God think about things? To study Jesus. God's nature. What does God think about people who, who hate him? He says, love your enemies. <laughs> the nature of God. Do you know that the first terrorists I ever saw were in the Bible? Two dangerous terrorists. The first terrorist I ever saw was in the Bible. And they were both disciples of Jesus. Terror. They were worse than Bin Laden. <laughs> Did you know that? They, these, are, these are rough guys. As a matter of fact, one day they were going through a village. And the Bible says they saw some people in the village who were worshipping, but they were worshipping differently from they worshipped. They wasn't worshipping the same way. So they came to Jesus. Who's Jesus? The presence of God in the body. And they said to him, call down fire and burn them up. Don't take no aircraft. Just burn them up now, they said. They said, call down fire and burn them up. They was asking God to kill people. They were worse than Bin Laden, man. You got to read his response. And Jesus said unto them, first of all, where did you get this spirit from, he says. Small s means attitude. Where did you get this kind of thinking from? He couldn't believe that you were wanting people dead. Racism, prejudice, bigotry. He said, I can't believe you're praying for people to get killed and want me to kill them for you. <laughs> Where did you get this spirit from? And then he said to them, I didn't come to destroy men's lives but to save them. What a different attitude. What a different nature. What a different glory. Some of you are worse or just as bad as James and John. You're praying for God to burn down mosque in your city. Just burn that Hindu temple. Because what are you doing? You're supposed to love them. Love those who hate you. Do good to those who persecute you. Why? In this kingdom, our currency is love. Amen. Different nature. Different nature. 
That's why I call him the unknown Jesus. Let's take a look at this Jesus who nobody knows, eh? First of all, the Hindus think he's just another prophet and another god they can worship. The Hindus got over six million gods. He's just another one they add to the list. The Muslims think he's just a great prophet in the Quran. One who didn't finish the job. So Muhammad came to finish the job. That's what they believe. And then we got the Buddhists. They think that he's just a holy wise man. And then we have the atheists. They think he was invented by superstitious people called disciples. They invented this guy. Turned him into a god. Yes? And we got the pagans who think he's a terrorist. He's a rebel. That's what they thought in the day of Jesus. He's a rebel. And the Romans were pagans. This guy causing trouble in, 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 the, in, in the kingdom of Rome. In other words, that's what people think of Jesus right there. He's being reduced to a prophet, a holy man, a wise man, an invention, a rebel. We misunderstand him. Matter of fact, let me say this quickly. He was never a prophet. Don't you ever call Jesus Christ a prophet. The Muslims call him that. He's not a prophet. Matter of fact, let me prove it. One day he, he, he knew that they were getting ready to kind of make him a prophet. So he, he had a private meeting with his disciples and he asked them a question. He said, who do men say that I am? And every answer was a prophet. Peter says, I know who you are. But the answers they gave first was, some say you are a prophet. Some say you are Elijah, Elias, John the Baptist. They said, all these different prophets. He says, who do you say that I am? That was the question. They said, we don't know. And then Peter got an email from heaven. God texts Peter. Peter said, oops. <laughs> and Peter says, I know who you are. Now watch Peter's answer now, very important answer. He says, you are the Christ, not a Christ, the Christ, son of the living God. Write the word Christ down, please. The word Christ, Hebrew word, Mashiach, it means anointed king. Write it down. Anointed what? King. Not just anointed, anointed king. Christ is upon that declaration I'm going to build my ecclesia ecclesia is the word the Romans use for senate oh. church is not a religious body it is a government agency and there you go with concepts again upon that statement Peter I'm going to build my ecclesia I'm going to build my senate, my cabinet, because kings have cabinets. You're supposed to be representing the king. You are supposed to be a political body. Oh, I'm in trouble now. This is why the devil is so smart. He told you that you are a religion, so you won't get involved in the state. When in fact, the church is state. You've made yourself useless to earth by reducing yourself to a religion. 
you are no earthly good and that is why you want to go to heaven you leave the state of the world in the hands of people who are ungodly and when they make legislative laws you complain you are schizophrenic you you are unfair don't blame them for what you allow them to do kingdom it's not a religion Jesus Christ is misunderstood the humanists are the last ones they're the most dangerous people <laughs> they see him as a highly developed human self-actualized they say he is he has fully developed his mentality he is the he's, he's a full bloom specimen of humanity humanists they don't see him as God they don't see him as Logos they don't see him as King and Messiah they see him as a highly developed human specimen and they are all wrong the worst one is Christians Christians see him as a religious leader, a savior. And that's the tragedy. They see him as one who founded a religion called Christianity. Jesus never founded a religion. Take a deep breath, everybody. Let's talk about what he really thought. Philosophy means way of thinking. What's philosophy of Jesus? What was his message? Matter of fact, let's talk about what he preached. And I'm going to close on this because I ain't got time to deal with it in detail. But I want you to just read this for yourself. Let's read his own words about what he came here to do because I think it's important. First of all, uh, his idea was this. Jesus believed that God created the heaven. He taught this. And this idea was that heaven was God's original country. He also believed that heaven was an invisible country ruled by Jehovah. Of course, he is Jehovah. Heaven is an invisible country. It's the original country. Thirdly, he believed that Jehovah is the king of heaven, which makes heaven a kingdom with a king. So heaven is the first country and the first kingdom, and Jehovah is the first king. Is that clear? Yes. Are you sure that's clear? Let's get that clear right now. Amen. Heaven is what? The first country. It is a kingdom. And who's the first king? Jehovah. All right. So heaven is a country that's a kingdom. God's plan was to extend his invisible country to the visible territory. That's why he created the visible territory called the universe. So earth was created by God to extend his invisible kingdom to a visible territory. Is that clear? Yes. All kingdoms do that. They extend their influence. They colonize. And therefore, the focus of Jesus Christ had to be a kingdom. Let's see what he preached. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for to them belongs what? 
the kingdom of heaven. So he begins to introduce himself, right? Look at Matthew 6, 33, read. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his and everything else will be what? He never said to seek things. <sighs> Christianity is like every other religion. We use our religion to get our bills paid and to find food. What a tragedy. The Hindus appease the gods by giving them food in the night and leaving their plates out. And mm -hmm. The Buddhists light their incense and to appease the Buddha. And the Muslims, they fast and they face the Eastern Mecca and they, and they go through their rituals just to, to appease Allah so that they can have a good life. Same thing, all are the same. But here comes Jesus. Listen to him. He says, Why do you worry about what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear and how you will live? Watch it. He says, Take no thought of these things. He just destroyed your prayer list. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Every time you need to pray, oh God, I need some money to pay my bills. Oh God, I got this light bill, water bill, phone bill, mortgage payment. Oh Lord, God says, shut up, don't even think about it. <laughs> now you're in trouble. See, I just destroyed your prayer life. He said, don't even bring it up. Wow. He just destroyed your complete religion. He said, don't you ever pray for food. Don't ever pray for water, he says. Don't even bring it up. Take a deep breath. He just destroyed everything you learned in Sunday school. And then he says, only pagans pray for those things. Wow. Don't look now. There's one right behind you. See, don't, don't look. Don't look. <laughs> Keep looking at me. <laughs> Sunday mornings are the largest gatherings of pagans in Canada. Come on. All right. Oh. Pastors, you should have never come here. He said, only pagans pray for food and clothes and car and house and water. Hey, boys, I repent, Lord. Yeah, you, you was a pagan before you came here. I know that. Okay, so you don't pray for food, you don't pray for car, you don't pray for house, you don't pray for clothing, you don't pray for, for water. Okay, then what do we pray for? Watch him now. Then he says, your father knows you need those things. By the way, the word pagan doesn't mean atheist. The word pagan means religious devout. 
Only religious people, he say, pray for food and clothes, car, and house. Hmm. My wife and I are debt free. And I own that aircraft, beautiful new aircraft. He saw me, asked to pick me up my aircraft. You know, we, 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 we're blessed. I have never prayed for money, never prayed for a car, never prayed for a house, never prayed for tuition for my kids. And I'm debt free. Personally, debt free. Now, what's the difference? No stress. I tell you, I'm telling you my secret. He says, your father knows you need those things. Then verse 23 of Matthew 6, he continues. He says, you, but seek ye first. That's where that verse came from. But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things come running after you. Clap, 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 clap for Jesus. Listen to me. There's a guy named James Maslow. Maslow developed a theory of human motivation. He said all humans are motivated by basic needs. Water, food, shelter, that's covering for your body and your, and your, and your life. And then he says security, yes. and protection, and then self-actualization. In other words, he says, look, you, 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 you live just to go to work to buy bread. Christ comes and turns Maslow's upside down. He says, no, begin with knowing who you are first. Yes. You are already self-actualized. You are a kingdom citizen. Yes. And then you move down. All those things are added to you. Amen. The number one source of stress is worry. And worry is the source of 80% of all diseases including the lump you have in your body right now from all the stress that's caused a cyst that becomes cancerous first words of Jesus do not worry what you will eat what you will drink in other words the church quote unquote the church is sick because they are pagans seek ye first Jesus said look at Luke 4 43 read but he said unto them come on read out loud I must preach the kingdom of God to other towns also for that is why I was sent was he preaching the kingdom. the kingdom it gets worse watch this Matthew 16 read I will give you the keys of a religion come on what does it say out loud I will give you the keys of the kingdom whatever you lock up on earth will be locked up in heaven whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven Matthew 16 27 read and I tell you the truth. come on read with me and I tell you the truth some of you standing here 2,000 years ago in that village he says will not see death until you see the son of man coming in his kingdom not a religion that means it's already here Matthew 13 read and he replied come on out loud the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you but not to those outside Matthew 13 24 read and he told them a parable the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field Matthew 13 19 read when anyone hears the message about what the kingdom and doesn't understand it 
even the devil himself comes to snatch away what he understands. Let me tell you something. The devil is in Canada tonight. Guaranteed. How do I know? Jesus tells me. Look at that verse slowly. It says, when anyone hears the message, not about faith and prosperity and baptism and speaking in tongues and all this stuff. He said, that message is the serious one. When anyone hears the message of what? The kingdom and doesn't understand it fully, Satan doesn't send demons to harass you. He comes himself, Jesus says. He's in Canada. He followed me here. He knows what I teach. And he wants to snatch it. As soon as the meeting is over, he's going to tell you, oh, don't believe what that guy says. He'll snatch it from you. Why? He knows if you ever understand it, he'll never control you again. That's why you got to understand it, son. You got to get this because it's a stress-free life when you understand the kingdom and Satan cannot affect your life any longer. Very important. Matthew 13 and 30, read. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Matthew 13 44, read. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Matthew 13 45, read. The kingdom of heaven is like much. In other words, they kept on preaching the same message. He only preached this message, the kingdom. Look at it. It gets even worse. Matthew 23, read. He says, woe to you pastors, bishops, elders, seminary students. Come on, let's read it. Read it, read it out loud. Come on, read it with me. Woe to you, you religious leaders. You hypocrites, what do you do? You shut the kingdom of heaven up in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter it, nor will you allow the people who want to enter the kingdom to enter. Jesus said the number one opposition to the kingdom is religious leaders. See that? Why? Because they don't want to learn about it, you know. We gotta keep our church doctrine, you know. We've been believing this for the last forty-five years, four hundred years, five hundred years. We can't change now. I know what Jesus said, but you know, we are what we believe is more important than what Jesus said, you know. We gotta stay with our doctrine, you know. Tell me the truth. When was your pastor the last time preaching on the kingdom? See, that's the problem. Look at that verse again. He says, woe to you Pharisees, you religious leaders. You shut the kingdom of heaven up in men's faces. You don't tell them about it. You don't study it. You don't even teach it, preach it, communicate it. Woe. And that word woe is the worst word in Hebrew. Amen. It's a curse word. Jesus cursed. Amen. Woe means damned you. Get it? Yeah. It means go to hell. Read it. I just quoted it for you in Hebrew. <laughs> he never said that to sinners. He never woed a sinner. He woed religious people who thought they knew everything. He says, you shut it up. That's why you don't know it. They shut it up. They taught you their church doctrine. Not the kingdom. But if you think that's bad, look at this one. Matthew 12, read. He said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of heaven has arrived on earth. Miracles are a sign that another culture has arrived. 
Do you understand what I just said? When you see miracles on earth, it's a sign that the kingdom of God is affecting the environment. It's not a religious act. It's a political impact. Look at this verse. He says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house unless he first binds a strong man? In other words, I came to earth to take the power back from the illegal unemployed cherub and give it back to you to take dominion over the earth again. Ladies and gentlemen, read this verse with me. Luke 16, read. He says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed. Come on, read together. The law and the prophets were complained up until John but since John the good news of the kingdom is being preached and everyone is forcing their way in he says since John there should be only be one message I went to university <laughs> I have five degrees from college three bachelor's degrees one of them is in theology I spent four years in seminary studying theology. There was not one class on the kingdom. Look at that verse. He said, from John, there should only be one message. They never had a class on it. And they graduated me with honors and tell me go preach. Never gave me the message. <laughs> It gets worse. Watch this. Matthew 6, 25, read. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. In other words, he's telling us, look, the kingdom is more important. He says what? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For only the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The, this thing called Christianity I'll let you conclude what it is you pray for things you're a pagan that's what he says that's not my words it's his words That's why you're sick. The stress, the worry, the tension. Blood pressure problems. This religious stuff is killing us. Ladies and gentlemen, He says, this is why I send you to earth, he says. This is why you're here. Read it. Luke 6, 19, 13. He says, he called ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds and said, occupy and tell him. That's why you came to earth. You're supposed to occupy the territory. Not leave and go to heaven. You can't colonize in your absence yeah. you know when the British came to the Bahamas they had to live there yeah. right. when they came to Jamaica they had to live there 
When they came to Trinidad, they had to live there. Grenada, they had to live there. Really? In other words, when you're going to colonize, the citizens have to live in the territory and they send a governor to stay there. And their job is to turn this into them. Yes. True. That's why God sent you to earth and sent the Holy Ghost in you. Amen. Holy Ghost is the governor. You are the citizens. You didn't come from earth. You came to earth. You just think you are an earthling. Let me put it another way. We keep spending millions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, trying to find aliens in space. <laughs> we are the aliens. Clap your hands. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. colonization. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds yet when it grows it becomes the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and purchase. He said look the kingdom of heaven is just like the British colonized the Bahamas. Only a few of them came just like a mustard seed. But when they left, we were speaking English. We were driving on the left. We were drinking tea, eating cucumber sandwich with butter. Yuck. We eating chocolates with tea, man. It's, you know, look at me. I'm an African. What am I doing eating chocolates with tea? Let me tell you why. When you are colonized, you become just like the king. Speaking in tongues is not a religious experience. It's a national experience. It's a sign that you got your language back. That's all it means. It means you've been recolonized. You are not from earth. You were sent to earth. Can I say something that's going to hurt your religious feelings? You are useless in heaven. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Listen to me. Study Jesus. He never focused on heaven. Matter of fact, he says, when you pray, don't pray for food and clothes and car and house. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Now remember, they asked him a question. How should we pray? He said, pray like this. Our Father who is not on earth, Where is he? He's in the home country. Yes. <laughs> Holy is your name. That means you are different from everybody else. Yes. Unique. Set aside. Sanctified king. Now keep praying. He said, now pray this. He said, pray, he said, pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy ideas will be done. Where? On earth. How? Just like it is in heaven. That's the prayer. That's what you pray. He says, don't pray to go to heaven. Pray for heaven to come to oh, earth. Yes. He just destroyed your church. I'll fly away. He said, no, no, don't fly away. No, stay. Yeah. 
Now remember, I was brought up in church. You can't tell me nothing but church. I know but church people. Always want to leave earth. Want to escape. Want to fly away to Jesus. Fly away. Lazy thing you. You praying. <laughs> you praying to leave earth. Oh God, please come take us out. We got crisis, Lord. Losing my house. My body is sick. My children disobedient. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. My business is losing money. Oh God. Please help us. Come quickly. Take us out. That's you praying. You want to hear him pray? His prayer? Here's what he's praying. He already prayed. He says, Father, do not take them out of the world. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I got a problem here. You praying to leave? He praying for you to stay. Who praying can get answered? What do you think? Yeah. Unpack your bags, settle down. Let's take over Toronto. Yeah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Yeah. Occupy. Yeah. You get it? You get it? You get it? Occupy. Hallelujah. We missed the idea. We miss the concept. We are useless because of our ideas. And that's why you're so frustrated with your religion. That includes Christianity. That's why you're so frustrated. You tie those same old songs. Sit in that same old seat every Sunday got to be more than this you say well I've come to tell you what it is it's the kingdom of God he said the kingdom of God is like a, a man who sowed good seed in his field and while he was asleep an enemy came and sowed weeds that means God put Adam and Eve on the earth and then somebody else came and messed up the whole thing. Yeah. We know who that is. Yeah. He says, uh, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. In other words, uh, there was a, a mixing. And by the way, this is very important to understanding impacting your city, see? Now, the, the, the angels asked a question. They said, uh, uh, should we go and reap the wheat? He said, no, let them grow together. Every year we take groups to Israel. And every year we go to the fields of Judea. We take groups to, to see the wheat in that same field. And one day we were in a bus driving through the fields. And I asked my friend, my Jewish friend, I said, uh, why have they reaped all those fields and this other field is not reaped? He says, because this field has tears in it. Wheat and weeds. I said, so why are they letting it grow? He says, because when it matures... They both grow together side by side. But when the wheat is full, it bends. The tear remains straight. So then we know what to cut. In other words, only those who bow and worship the king won't get cut.
So you go to your job and you stay in there. Because you, look at this verse. I like this one the best. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like what? Yeast. It's like what? Yeast. That a woman put in a large amount of flour. And when it works itself all the way through, everything becomes yeast. In other words, the country of God, the culture of God, just like the British, when they left us, we are still driving on the left. <laughs> the power of yeast. Influence. Now let me tell you something about yeast. And let me just tell you this real quick. First of all, yeast never intimidates dough. The dough is big, the yeast is small, the dough laughs. And the least says, you're mine. <laughs> yeast is never afraid of dough. That means God is saying to you, you go to your job, no matter how ungodly they look, they are in trouble because you just arrived. That's why God wants you to go into government, into business, into law, into medicine, into education. You go in there and influence that place. The kingdom of God. Number two, yeast is never intimidated by dough. The yeast looks like sand. The dough is big. The yeast is not afraid. The yeast says, let me get in there. Once I get in there, you're going to be yeast right up. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you got the power. Say it loud. You got the power. The Bible says, great is he that is in you than he that is in the job. Give God a big hand. The power is in your influence. You saw me, the pictures there with heads of state. I counsel seven governments right now. I advise prime ministers. I work with training governments. I had the entire Nigerian River State government last month. Every single member for four days of training. Training them on how to lead a country. How to build an economy. How to establish education. How to restore life and destroy corruption. Can you do that without saying amen? amen. Of course you're supposed to do it without saying amen. I'm yeast. It's like yeast. Amen. Write this down. Yeast never becomes dough. That's number three. When you put yeast in dough, the dough becomes yeast. <laughs> Write this down. Number four. Yeast can never affect dough until it's in it. Well, I don't want to work to that job. That's an ungodly job. I don't want to live with I don't work with those unbelievers. Shut up! That's right. You religious Christian. That's right. Very good. <laughs> you can't change what you avoid. You can't impact what you separate yourself from. Yeast must be integrated in the system. That's why your country is having struggles, struggles right now. Because the saints are so busy on their way to heaven, they leave the state to the devil. Well, that changes today, right now. That changes now. God is saying, you go in there and make a difference.
Let me give you one more, but yeast. Yeast is interesting. Write this down. <laughs> yeast can never be extracted. God says, you get in there, it's too late for them. Give God a hand. How powerful you are. God says, get in there. They'll never be able to forget you. Thank you, Lord. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It is the influence. Daniel changed Babylon. Joseph changed Egypt. Esther change the kingdom you will change Toronto if you believe it say amen stop praying for a Christian job let me give you one more about yeast write this down yeast yeast is useless in the package can I say it again over here yeast is useless in the package That means the most useless day for God is Sundays. <laughs> All the yeast lock up in buildings called churches. God loves Monday mornings. That's where the action is. Yeah. God takes up and sprinkles you all over Toronto. He says, go ahead, sprinkle you all over Toronto, and you fall in the most ungodly places. Bam! And God says, take over right where you land. Yeah. The kingdom is not afraid of any situation. Yes. Amen. What's your name, sir? Come here, Daniel. Run right here, Daniel. I don't know Daniel until today. Daniel is my son. I met my son today. Daniel came to me and greeted me. He said, Dr. Monroe, you don't know me, but I'm your student. Yes. Tell him why I'm your student. Through to pass my pastor, Pastor Suzet, I found that the kingdom message. I was a Muslim. I became as a believer eight years ago. I born in kingdom country, I grew up in the kingdom country, I didn't know why they worship the king. All the general, all the people, when they come before the king, how they bow down. Until I received the kingdom message. And over 900 hours, I spent it on YouTube with the Pastor Myers Monroe. Sometime until 7 o'clock morning. And I give the right to my son. And I came back from the school and I study again. And I share this testimony and this kingdom message to the especially Persian and Muslim people. Hallelujah. And believe me, most of the people, they don't know. I call him. He called, uh, quoted uh, two weeks ago, Matthew 13, 44. And he said, study about that. And I call him treasure. If the people, they know that. If they receive the kingdom message, he's a treasure for God. And all of us, same thing. And I have to share this testimony to the especially Persian and Muslim people, and especially for the men. Yes. That's why I kicked out two months ago from the one of the church because same message I give it to the pastor. <laughs> Believe me. 
See, I told you. Religion can't take it. Yeast. Wow, what a testimony. One thing I learned is always is moving quiet. Yes. But effectively. Yes. Always. Write that down. That's, that's, that's the next point. Yes. Yeast works quietly. You never hear yeast working. He's talking about it. Write that down. Yeast works what? Quietly. That means you don't walk around with a t-shirt. I love Jesus. No, no, no. Don't wear that. They ain't supposed to know who you are until it's too late. That's my boy. I love you. 90 hours, he said. He listened to me on YouTube. 90 hours. Wow. Muslim converted to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 900 hours. What did Jesus say? Seek. You don't get this in one night. That's why we tell you to get the books. You got to get the books, man. You got to get those CDs. Why? You can't just get this in one night. The kingdom is a country. It takes your life to learn the country. Let me close with this because we got to go. Write this down, please. Luke 19, 11. Read but when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about what? The kingdom of God. And then he healed those who were sick. Luke 12, 32, read. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you a religion called Christianity. To give you the kingdom. You know why you're quiet? You ain't never seen that in the Bible before. You know why? Because your pastor ain't never showed you that in the Bible. Read this one out loud. Go. And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. He didn't say it wasn't in the world. He said it was from another place, heaven. England never came to the Bahamas or Jamaica or Grenada. But its culture came. He said, the kingdom of God is from heaven, but it's here. Now, Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He rose again. He preached the kingdom all during that time. He was here for three and a half years, ministry. He went to the cross. He dies. He rose again from the dead. Let's read what he says after he rose from the dead. Acts 1-3, read. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Even death couldn't stop his message. How come you never heard it? My friends. Here's the problem. Write this down somewhere. This, this is the problem right here. Here's the problem. The problem is we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we don't preach the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. Pastors, that's your problem. Look at Matthew 10, 7, read. He says, as you go, Christ is speaking, preach this message hold it right there why he say this message because he knew you'd invent your own messages Hallelujah. 
But I'm a freight preacher. But I'm a prosperity preacher. But I'm a, a deliverance preacher. Where'd that come from? Read it again out loud. As you go, preach this message. Quote, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. He tells us what to preach. Do you know why I put the scriptures up on the board like this? Because you never saw them. Do you know what you're looking for? The kingdom. Really? You're really looking for the kingdom? Because that's what you lost. You lost dominion over earth. You lost control. Let me close with this, please. His first public statement. From that time forward, Jesus began to preach. What's the word? Repent. Why? The word repent means to change your ideas. <laughs> the word repent means to change your thinking. It doesn't mean to come down front in a religious meeting and bring up your past. The word repent means to change your mental conditioning. Change what you've been taught. His first statement is an attack on your ideas. He said, change your thinking because the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Jesus came to bring to earth what we lost. He never bought a religion. That's why all religions are the source of all of our problems. All the frustration, all the fighting, all the competition, all the terrorism, all the anger, all the, all the, the racism, all the, the, the this prejudice. It's all religion. Makes me so sad. He said, change the way you've been taught to think. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory impacting it with its will, his purpose, and his intent, producing a citizenry of people who reflect the king's nature, the king's lifestyle, the king's morals, the king's values, and the king's culture. That's a kingdom. That's what Jesus brought to earth. And he wants to influence this city and this country. He doesn't want a religious state. And that's the problem with religion. They want to turn the country into a religious country. This is not what Jesus wanted. He bought a kingdom. A state. He bought moral standards and values that influence our laws. That create a culture that is full of peace and love and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're not here to make people part of our religion. The good news is they can come back to citizenship in the kingdom of heaven Amen. matter of fact Christ came to open immigration again Amen. take this thought with you there was a man an old man very religious guy he was the pastor of the church and he sat 
in the back just like you standing by that door and he was listening to Jesus teach just like I'm teaching you tonight buddy and he kept on thinking by himself he kept thinking this makes sense I'm looking for that kind of power I want that kind of lifestyle I want that culture and he kept on listening but he was a religious leader in charge of the church but he kept listening he knew his theology he knew all of the books he ran all the services in the church but he was still empty because religion never fulfills the emptiness where the kingdom was that's, right. that's why religion keeps you so busy because you're still empty so many programs to keep you busy that's why rituals, all these rituals and every religion get rituals, rituals. They keep you busy because there's something still missing. And that man went home that night. He couldn't sleep. Everything he heard stayed in his mind. And that's going to happen to you tonight. When you leave this meeting, you should have never listened to me. You watch, you, you I will have difficulty sleeping. And that man couldn't sleep that night. You know what he did? He woke up around 2 o'clock in the morning. And he went, he lit his lantern because there were no street lights where he lived. And he tied a rope around his waist, the lantern. And he walked through the rocky village roads. And he found the house but Jesus was sleeping. It was two o'clock in the morning. And he knocked on the door. And one of the students of Jesus came to the door and said, Sir, can I help you? And then he realized who he was. And he says, Oh my goodness, it's the pastor. <laughs> what are you doing out here at two o'clock in the morning, sir? And the man simply said, You know, I'd like to talk to your master, teacher. So they went and got him. And Jesus came and looked at him and says, What are you doing here? You are the head of the synagogue. You're the leader. He says, Yes, sir. How can I help you, he says. And that man was honest. And it's going to take honesty for you to enter the kingdom of God. You got to first accept that what you knew was not so. And he said, to Jesus sir you talked about this country called heaven I'm looking for that country I want to become a citizen of that country he says how can I become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and Jesus was shocked he said sir you're an old man you should know how to become a natural citizen of a country it's like any, any other country. He said, what do you mean? He said, look, to become a citizen of any country naturally, you got to be born into it. Yeah. Jesus never, look at me please, Jesus never preached born again. Never. He only mentioned it once. 
take a deep breath. Because born again is not the message. Yeah, I know how you feel. She did it for everybody. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. That's how all of y'all feel. I know. I felt that way too. I told you, you won't sleep tonight. Jesus says, look, sir, you should know how to become a citizen. You're born into a country naturally. In other words, born again is not the message. It's an immigration issue. Except a man be born again. He cannot become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. And Nicodemus says, Sir, do I need to go back into my mother's womb and be born all over again? He says, No, 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 no. We've made arrangements in our country for you. You already were born a natural citizen of Israel by flesh and blood. Water and blood from the womb of your mom. You became a citizen of Israel. He said, But in my country... You're born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you a new beginning tonight. Yes. And you are born anew. And you become like a little child. Except you become like a little child. You cannot experience kingdom life. You take all your religion, throw it on the side. Start over again like a child. Jesus said, if you believe everything I say to you, Nicodemus, you believe on me, then the, the governor of the kingdom will come and live inside of you. You know the governor in our country? For 259 years, governors came from England and they lived in the island. They stayed with us until we become just like the king of England. He said, if you believe what I told you, the governor will come and live inside you tonight. And he will teach you how to speak the king's language. He will teach you the king's morals, value systems. He will teach you the king's culture. Nicodemus says, I believe. He became a citizen. Amen. Amen. Listen to me carefully. You cannot be a member of a country. And that's your problem. You are a member of something. Members have no rights. This constitution says in section, Corinthians subsection <laughs> 5, article 20, it says, your citizenship is in heaven. You are registered in the home country, but you got a job to do on earth. 
which means the government of heaven is responsible for you not the one on earth that's right praise God wonderful the one on earth is broke <laughs> but my government shall supply all of your needs according to its riches in glory that's how you quote that verse only citizens can quote that you cannot be a member of Canada Thank you once again for listening to this message as we hope that it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you new paths and opportunities so that you can discover your purpose. It is your love, support, and partnership that makes Monroe Global possible. Please visit us online at www.monroeglobal.com for more product, partnership, or to join us at one of our live events around the world.